So tonight we're going to see a piece from Rav Schwab on Parshas Kiseitze from his Sefer, Mayan Beis HaShoeva, classic Sefer that he wrote on Chumash. Um, and it's the very first piece in the Parsha. And the Pasuk says, Ki li'ish ben If a person has a child who is a wayward child, he's uh, rebellious, and he's, uh, he's doing things against his parents. He's stealing money and buying meat and wine and having his addictions. And uh, the Pasuk says that he has to be taken by his parents to the uh, Zikanim. If certain, uh, certain conditions are met, he has to be a certain age of maturity and he has to have been doing certain activities that were in line with what uh, is wrong. And, um, and basically, Bestin kills him. And, uh, and the reason that Chazal give is because he's going to, uh, that the Pasuk looks at the end of the line, like what happens? He's going to probably, if he continues with his addictions, with his drinking, with his eating, with his uh, spending habits, he's going to eventually run out of money. And then he's going to start robbing people on the road to get the money to pay for his habits. And, uh, and then eventually, if somebody doesn't want to give him the money, He's going to kill that person. And so the terrorist says that it's better now that he, uh, he be put to death and he's a little bit innocent than, than to actually be put to death as a, uh, as a, as a murderer. That's the parasha of Ben Sarimera. So if you look in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, it says, Tanya Ben that it never happened. This whole story about Ben Sarah that everybody's going to be leaning on Shabbos and, and, and we're going to, and there's a lot of Gemaras about this and there's a lot of Chazalan about this. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says that it never happened. This Parsha Ben Sarah never happened in the history of the world, nor will it ever happen. And the Gemara explains because it says that that the Gemara Darshan's that the mother and father, in order to have uh, the conditions of a Ben Sarah met, that he should be killed by Bestin, the mother and the father have to have the same exact voice, they have to have the same exact appearance, and they have to say the same exact height. They basically have to be identical twins uh, in order for this whole thing to play out. And uh, well, that's darshan from Sukkim. So obviously, this can happen. This this parsha ben Sarah can never happen. Velama nichtav. So you're probably wondering, okay, so if it can never happen, what the Torah is just giving us uh, fairy tales? Why is the Torah telling us this? And the Gemara says, Yeah, there's a drasha making drashas. You get schar for learning. Still get a mitzvah of Talmud Torah, even though uh, you know it never happened. But so what? It's a parsha in the Torah. It's a mitzvah in the Torah. There are lessons to be gleaned from it. Comes along Rabbi Yenison in the Gemara and says, Ani re'isiv v'yashavti al kivrei. No, no, no. You're wrong. It did happen. I saw it. I saw such a case. And I even, in fact, sat on his grave. I sat by his grave. I, it happened. I, I could attest to the fact that it happened. I saw it happen. And I even sat on his grave, says Rabbi So, meaning, Rabbi is arguing with the, uh, with, the, with the Brisa that says that it never happened. 
The Gemara there then continues, Iranidachas is also something that never happened and never will happen. What is an Iranidachas? Iranidachas is if you have a city, and the city uh, is Eved Avedezara. The city is all idol worshippers, or, and, and, um, or a majority of the city. And what happens is you have to kill everybody in the town, you have to burn the, burn the town down. That's Iranidachas. So the Gemara says that can never happen. Why can't it happen? Sounds like it could happen. Because if there is even one mezuzah, ir sheeshba afilu mezuzah achas ein nasa ben irani dachas she actually serves kol shlol. You can't burn the entire city down if there's one mezuzah in it. So, what are the probabilities that a Jewish home in any city that every Jewish home doesn't have mezuzah? That's impossible, right? Even even non-religious people put mezuzahs up on their houses, and uh, so it's not uh, it's not uh, it's not shayach. It never happened. Never will happen. And again, the Gemara says, so then why are we, why is the Torah waste its ink and telling us this whole parasha again, we want you to darshan it, take lessons from it, get the lumdus out of it, get schar. Amr comes along Rabbi and says, I saw such a thing, I saw the Yernidachas with my own eyes, and I sat on its ruined, meaning it was ruined, it got destroyed, like the Ernidachas is destined to be, and I um, and I sat on its uh, on its ruin. So the so Rav Schwab asks like this: "V'lochayr yifla shedafka Rav Yainasan hayabar mazal liyos beis devarim shamer chacham shalay hayavleyos liyos." What are the odds that one rabbi, Rav Yainasan, happened to see with his own eyes the same thing that the Gemara says can never happen and never will happen. It's not like separate Tanoim happened to say, I saw this and I saw that. The same Tanoim, Rabbi Yenison, was all of a sudden, you know, Zeicha, he had the mazel, that he was the one of all the rabbis in the, in the Gemara, in Shas, the only rabbi that saw the things that the Gemara says can never be is Rabbi Yenison. What's going on over there? There has to be a deeper understanding of this. So what is the... Let him say, I saw it. I saw an Yernidachas being destroyed and I saw a, a child, uh, uh, Ben Saramayor, getting killed. Why does he have to say, and I, and I sat on its kever or I sat on its ruin? What is he coming to add uh, by saying that extra line? So if Schwab answers beautifully, he says like this, Velule de Mistafina, and if I wouldn't be afraid, that's a lashon that you find in, in Chazal a lot, that uh, Rishayim say it also, that, you know, sometimes you're, you're sometimes, uh, like, uh, you know, somebody wants to, like, argue with, uh, with a Rishayim or with an Achrein or something, you don't, you don't just go out and argue with them, you say, Velule de Mistafina, if I wouldn't be nervous, this is what I would say. Now, as you're saying it, but you're saying it with a nice, Introduction, you know, to sort of, uh, uh, to sort of, uh, you know, lessen the lessen the chutzpah of going up against something that is very hard to go up against. So, so Schwab is saying that had I not been so nervous, I would say the following: Amina al chazal sanhedrin din arba Chazal tell us in Sanhedrin Lamed Zayin that from the day that the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, even though 
Sanhedrin is bottle. There's no Sanhedrin anymore today, right? We don't have a Sanhedrin. There's no, no body, legislative body, that's actually, uh, that's actually uh, trying capital punishment cases or any punishment cases for that matter. So, but even though there's no Sanhedrin, but there's a din Arba Mises. There is a din of the Arba Mises Bestin. Bestin used to mete out four different punishments based on the crime. There was Skila, Srefa, Hereg, and Chenek. And each of them, you know, were based on what you did wrong. So even though nowadays we don't have a Sanhedrin do it, but nevertheless, the din of Arba Mises was never bato. Mishnah is Chayev Skila. Somebody that's Chayev Skila either he's going to fall off a roof and get, you know, get hurt that way and hit his head against some rocks or something, so that's like stoning, or an animal is going to rip him apart. Somebody is supposed to be, uh, to be consumed by fire, either he'll fall into a fire, or a snake will bite him, and the venom of a snake is like very hot, and it's like fire going into him, Mishnah Chayv Harigo, some Chayv Harigo will get his own punishment. I once had a Rebbe that said that you see, like, let's say on an airplane, for an airplane crashes. So there's a lot of different types of deaths uh, that people get on an airplane. So, for example, one guy might have, uh, you know, might have got burned up to death, Chas Vashalom, or, um, and one guy might have maybe like a suitcase fell down from the overhead compartment and smacked him in the head and killed him that way on the way down. And one might have uh, suffocated uh, asphyxiation as because uh, there wasn't enough oxygen, or he's having a heart attack. Every single person on the plane that dies uh, has their own unique way of dying. It's rare that the the plane just explodes. Everybody, every single person has their own unique way. And so he said that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is midaktik Every single person, no one dies without deserving to die. That's one of the cardinal rules of Hashkacha and 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 the way the Rebbeinu Shem runs the world. You don't just die. So if a person's on a plane, there was a reason, there was a cheshpan why, why he died. And the death itself, the type of death also was not just the one size fits all, but the punishment that he was chayev is meted out to him exactly. Somebody's chayev skiloi gets it with a piece of luggage. And if somebody's chayev sreifel, chasvashom, rachman al-sam, be burnt alive. But every single hakadosh there's no Sanhedrin today to do this, but hakadosh still arranges that the Dalad Misa still exists that there still is the ability that people have, Rahman al-Islam, that when their time is up, if they did something wrong, HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes them with one of the Dalai Misa's bestmen. Ukimaykein says of Shwab, similarly, even though, meaning the Tanakhama is right, the Bryce that says that there's no such thing as Nidachas today, it's true. Nobody argues with that. You can't have an Irani Dachas. It's not one mezuzah on the whole city. It can't be. There has to be an Irani Dachas. But, I mean, you can't have technically an Irani Dachas in the way that the Torah says that you should burn it down and you should kill everybody. But the Chiddush is, even though you technically can't have it, Kamash Melon Rabbeinu is coming with a Chiddush here. And Rabbeinu is saying, Shedin Irani Dachas loy batla that the din of Iranidachas is not bottle. It's not bottle. Shepam Motza tell Ir Chareva, because once he found a city that was completely destroyed, he found the ruins of a city, 
This was a city that Avedizar was worshipped in the city, and then it was destroyed. Meaning he was able to, he did some research, he found out, hey, why did the city just get destroyed? Why, what happened? You know, yeah, well, there was a fire, there was a bomb that hit it. Okay, but what, what was the underlying cause? And he looked into it and he said, ah, there was Avedizar that was being worshipped in the city. And so... I saw an Iranidachas. Vyashabti Altila and I even sat on its ruins. Why did he have to say that? Because of the fact that he sat on its ruins, Chakar Vidarash, then that what that's what started getting his uh, his curiosity, you know, flowing. Like why did they why did the city get ruined? Ah, he asked a few people and they said there are people that were even a bizarre in this town. So he understood the Yadash Nidaina Aidi Bestin, even though it's true that Bestin did not mete out the punishment of an Iranidachas, Mikal Makam Iranidachas Niskaima Ba. But nevertheless the din of an Iranidachas was Niskaim. So some just like we were saying that a person could get one of the Dalmisas best, and even though Sanhedrin's not giving it, but Hakrishparhu arranges that that he will get the, the appropriate misa that he deserves based on the crime that he committed. The same thing is true on a, on a broader scale, that if there's an irani dachas, if there's a city that's destroyed, and, and we see that there's a ruins of a city, we could work backwards and say, did Bestin do this? No, there is no Bestin. There's no Sanhedrin that did this. So how did it happen? HaKadosh did it. Why did HaKadosh do it? Because there was Avedizara here. So there's a din of an irani dachas. There's no, there's no practical uh, application in real life of an irani dachas. You're not going to have any best in, you know, actually pasking in this day and age because we don't have a Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin doesn't mete out such punishments, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu does. And just like he does to a private individual, he'll do that to the public as well, a whole irani dachas and go up in smoke. And the reason for that is because there was Avedizara that was worshipped in that town, so it had a din of Iranidachas, and only when he saw the town in ruins did he work backwards and figure out that it must have had a din of Iranidachas. V'chein matzah kever shall ben Yud Gimel. He also saw a grave of a bar mitzvah bachar, Yud Gimel, 13-year-old boy, and he's wondering, why did this happen? How did this boy die? And then from the fact that he sat on the kever of a 13-year-old boy, he looked into it, he clarified, this kid was actually acting out like a Ben Sayyamari. He was, he was addicted to different things, to different gashmias, to wine. He was alcoholic and he was, you know, he was, uh, he was acting uh, with a lot of gashmias. And he, he, he basically was all consumed by this. And he saw from this, even though Bestin was not done him, because there is no Bestin, but nevertheless, Din Ben The Din of Ben is not Batal. It still, it still is applicable in a certain sense. It's not in the way the Torah is spelling it out as a Din of Sanhedrin, as a Din of Bestin to punish people like, like a Ben Sarah But don't think that the Parsha Ben Sarah is totally, you know, un, uh, you know, is totally not not relevant, it is relevant, but it's relevant in, in the way that the way he, he, uh, he runs his world. And so it's specifically Rabbi Yenison, says Rav Schwab, 
that on both counts is the one that comes and says, I saw it. What, what are the chances that you happen to be the one that sees, that you have the mazel to see, Ben Sermer and Nir Nidachas, the two parshas that the Gemara says never could exist? And the answer is, yeah, because this is his chiddish. Rabbi Anison's chiddish is that you don't have to have an actual Irani Dachas or an actual Ben Saramara to happen in order for the parsha to still be relevant because even when Sanhedrin is, cannot do it because they can't get all the technical details right. You can't find a, a father and a mother that are look-alike and, and uh, have the same voice and have the same height. It's impossible. It's impossible to find the city without, without a single mezuzah. But yet, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it, it's possible to have the outcome of these punishments, Venir Nidachas and Ben Saramir. So that's why a lot of times, like we see, uh, we learn parshas in the Torah, and we're wondering, like, why are we even learning this? It's so, like, far fetched. It's so not relevant to us. You know, there's no Sanhedrin. What are we learning about Chil uh, Shabbos and Skila and it's Chayev Karis? And it's, it's not relevant, but it is relevant because at the end of the day, even if there's no Sanhedrin, to, to give Malchus and to give Skilo, all that, but there still is a din of, of Dalmi. We have to still be very nervous about anything that we do wrong because HaKadosh Baruch has many shluchim. HaKadosh Baruch can punish us in many ways if we, uh, if we, if we do Averis and we don't do Tshuva. It's important, you know, as we're clapping al you know, in the coming weeks, um, you know, we, so many things we wonder. It's, it's a famous question, like, you know, you're clapping al for all these things that uh, you didn't, I didn't do them. I mean, you know, there are certain things I did do, and I'm clapping al hate for them, but then there are certain things that, uh, you know, that, that I deserve skila, I deserve sreifa, I deserve chenek, we, right, we, I deserve, do I? Do I really? Did I do something? Did I violate, you know, so, did I violate Shabbos in a certain way that I'm chayv skila? Did I do a b'meza? Did I, you know, what does that mean? And what does it mean in general, all these things that I'm doing? So there's a few different approaches. Some say that you're clapping al chet not for yourself, but for a, a previous Gilgal, like a neshama that happened, you know, so even though, you know, this is an Avera that doesn't look familiar, I didn't, you know, I didn't do this, I didn't, wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't Ivor Gilarayas. One of the things he clapped, I wasn't, I didn't have a, you know, a relationship with a married woman, or I didn't do Gilarayas. So one shot is that, okay, maybe I didn't, but maybe a previous, in a previous life I did. So we, we got to rectify that, so we clap al chet. But another answer is that we might not have done the actual Avera, but we did, uh, we did some form of the Avera. We might not have done an actual Maisov's Nus, but maybe, you know, by looking at things, thinking about things, maybe that's a main of that. And we might not have done Skilos Revarag Vachanic thing, but, we're, but maybe we did things that, you know, are, are in that parsha. Maybe Akadosh Baruch Hu considers them on a certain level as if we did the Avera in, in its fullest form. And even though there's no Sanhedrin, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Rachman Litzan, if he wants to exact din, he'll, he'll treat us as if we did it in front of a bestin. So I wanted to just share with you uh, one nice story like we're going to do every week from Rav Schwab. Again, it's from the Sefer on Chumash um, that really uh, ties in, I think, nicely with this. Um, Rav Schwab kept a diary his whole life, his, I mean, his whole mature life, they have diaries and diaries and diaries of Rishwab. And they, they have in, you know, in, in this, uh, in the biography about him, they have a lot of the entries, very interesting diagram, diary that he kept. Um, some of it is very personal, to the degree that I don't know if he would have really wanted it publicized, but I'll tell you, they publicized it, so I guess I, I could also, like, one of the things was, 
that he wrote on the morning of his daughter's wedding. His daughter was uh, supposed to get married and get, got married. Um, and he says, I, Hashem, I don't know, you know what I'm going to do. I don't have the money to pay for this wedding. And if Schwab was, we'll see it as the year goes by, so meticulous with his finances and like he lived so simply and he never wanted to incur any debts and whatever. But you, know, you have a big, big expense of a chasna and he was a very not wealthy man. He took a very bare bone salary. He didn't even want to raise when they offered it to him. So I have enough to live on. He didn't, you know, he lived mamish, the simplest life, but he had to pay for his daughter's wedding. And, and he said, I don't have the money. He says, so I'm asking, and I don't want to make a chal Hashem. He says, there are certain people in the shul that he, he was the rabba of that, you know, that are paying for, for certain parts of the wedding, but there still is a lot of stuff that still needs to be paid. And please, I don't want to make a chal Hashem. Please help me, you know, get through. So, you know, somebody once asked me, uh, you know, what was the end of the story? Did he get the money? So I said, the end of the story is that, you know, he, he lived another... Uh, 60 years probably after that diary entry. He was able to eat and drink every single day. He had a roof over his head every single day. He was able to, you know, to pay, to pay all his bills every single month. And, uh, and he died. He's buried you know, out in Clifton, New Jersey, in the same, in the same cemetery that everyone else is buried. He, he, he made it through. He made it. You know, by hook or by crook. Not by, not by crook. By, he made it. But, uh, you know, that's the way it is. In life, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu answers people. But, you know, yeah, you need bitachin, you need muna to get through sometimes the, the rough patches of life. And, uh, and Baruch Schwab had such a, a personal relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he, in his diary, like, would, you know, would just reveal what was on his mind. It was like a, a written tefillah to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to please help me. And he did it countless times. So in this diary... One of the things that he wrote um, was as follows. He says, in the late 1950s, the Rav was responsible for the supervision of meat in Baltimore. He was like the, uh, he was like the mashkiach over all the meat production in the city of Baltimore. I, I, I once was by his son's, uh, his son once showed me, he had like a special badge. I put in one of my svarim a picture of it. He had a special badge that uh, from the city of Baltimore, he was like the official inspector of kosher meat. He was the one that was in charge of kosher meat. On a visit to the local butcher shop under his supervision, he corrected an employee who was responsible for trabering, which is deveining, you know, part of the process when you're koshering meat, if you're a butcher or you're the person involved with, uh, with, with making meat, you know, before it goes on sale, before you sell it, um, you know, you take the ve- certain veins out. You take veins out because otherwise the blood is in there, it's not kosher. So he, he criticized a certain person, probably in the nicest way possible, but that he wasn't doing it in the right way. Furious, the butcher publicly screamed at Rav Schwab, raising his hand in which he held a cleaver in a threatening manner. And the Rav quickly retreated. He basically said, okay, bye, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, I don't have to get killed for this job. So basically, but he, gave, he criticized this butcher, and the butcher had the audacity to pick up a cleaver and to threaten the Rav. A short time later, after the Rav had moved to New York, he was notified that the butcher had fallen down a flight of stairs, broke his neck, and died. On hearing the news, the Rav wrote in his diary the following words, Benfal ayivcha al-tismach. 
which means when your enemies fall, when your enemy falls, do not rejoice. That's a pasuk. So you shouldn't be happy, you shouldn't be gloating over the fact that your enemy had a very bad tragedy happen to him. God forbid that I should rejoice over this tragedy. But one must take note and learn from all occurrences. And what he meant is that whatever happens in life, you have to notice. You have to notice. He shouldn't be gloating. He's not gloating over the fact that the guy met an unfortunate end. But at the end of the day, it's hard to not notice the ashkacha of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he did something terribly wrong. He threatened Rav Schwab and he was, uh, you know, and, and as a result, possibly as a result, you, it's not such a stretch to connect the dots and say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu meted out the appropriate punishment. And, and uh, whatever that was, whether it's... Uh, you know, whatever breaking your neck is, chenek, uh, herek, whatever it is, but there was a, a, a punishment that was meted out, and you have to take note and learn from all occurrences. Whatever happens in life, you have to see uh, the, the Yad Hashemin. It, it starts really with us. It starts with us. Like, when we, when we do something wrong, we have to notice, like, you know, when something bad happens to us, and, uh, and we said, why did that happen to us? Well, maybe if we think a little bit, we'd be able to see that, you know, I could deserve it because I did X, Y, or Z. And, um, you know, if a person, because uh, I'll say this, you know, if you have a, if let's say, uh, you know, your eyes are hurting you, there's something probably that you did wrong with your eyes. If you're, uh, I used to have a thing that I, I got like a blister on my tongue and it happened every time I spoke Lashonara. To this day, if I speak Lashonara right now, probably within an hour, I'll probably have a blister on my tongue. It happens, it's like freaky a little bit. I'm not making this up. But, and it's not such a chiddish, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu, let's say every time I spoke Lashonara would, would give me a, an earache, that wouldn't be, you know, that I wouldn't learn my lesson. But if he does it on your tongue, it's like, it's a, you know, it's pretty obvious that you did something wrong, and, and now you have to correct it. That's why uh, a lot of the Mepharah, Chaim Shemalevitz has a piece on it, but either, even earlier people, how, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges Mida Kenegad Mida. Why is HaKadosh Baruch Hu judge Mida Kenegad Mida? Whatever you did wrong, that's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu repays you in kind, because the point of punishment is to learn from your mistakes. So if HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes it clear that, you know, a person breaks his leg, and uh, you just happen to that day have been running to do an Avera, so you'll be able to say, ah, I know why Akash Baruch did that, because he wants me to stop doing it. He's punishing me, so I learn a lesson. He's giving me Teichacha. If you don't have that Midike, if it's not, if you, if you, you know, if instead of that, you, uh, I don't know, you, uh, your stocks, uh, you know, don't do well the day in the stock market, I'm not going to learn a lesson that, it, I'm not going to be able to put the two things together. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu does everything midah k'negen midah as a chesed to us so we should learn from our mistakes and learn, you know, what not to do. So whenever things happen to us, we have to learn from them. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is meeting out punishment because He loves us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us so He punishes us. If he, didn't, if he didn't care about us, He wouldn't punish us. Punishing you is like, means that He feels like He's our Father and He wants to discipline us. If, he, if a father just couldn't care less, you know, then that's, uh, that's not a father. Father, in a sense, when, when, when a father punishes a child, that's probably the, the, the greatest act of fatherhood that he could do. 
I think the Kotzker says that that's why the month of Av is called Av. Av is the worst month of the year, right? That's when Chorben Vayis Rishon happened, Chorben Vayis Sheni happened, and uh, World War I started, and uh, Spanish Inquisition, and, you know, so many tragedies over Jewish history happen on, on Tisha B'Av, and yet the month is called Av. Why is it called a father? Because that's what a father is. A father punishes a child. If you, see a, if you go into a shul and you see somebody giving a, you know, like a nice caress to a child's cheek, it might be a father, it might be the candy man, it might be anybody. But if you see a guy giving a patch to a son in shul, so then you know that hopefully it's the father. <laughs> hopefully it's the father. It's probably the, you know, all bets are on the fact that it's the father. Because a father, that's what a father does. I'm not saying a father should, should, you know, should hurt a kid physically or even emotionally or anything, but... It's a father's job to teach a child right from wrong. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the month of Av, shows his fatherhood to us by punishing us, by giving us these, these patch. And, and so when we, when we feel like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, um, when we feel the pain of the punishment, we have to learn from it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is trying to say, listen, I love you, but you have to learn your, your, your lesson. You can't stop speaking Lashonar if you don't want to get another blister on your tongue. Stop uh, looking at things you shouldn't if you don't want your eyes to hurt, etc., and it's true when you see other people having tsaras as well. You know, Victor Miller said, used to say that when you see other people with tsaras, you see other people, let's say, you know, you see a person that, that is sick, or you see a person that's in a wheelchair, you see a person that's suffering in some way or another. The point is that it, they're, they're taking their lesson from it, whatever that lesson is, but we also have to learn a lesson from what they are. We have to first of all appreciate if we're not in a wheelchair, we have to really be grateful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for that. And then we have to try to understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu meets our punishment. And, and we have to observe everything because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is constantly sending us messages every single day, more messages, more messages. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, it, it's, we're in Galas, we don't see the Shekhinah, we don't, but if, you're, if, you're in, if, you're, if your antennas are up, you'll be able to really see the Yad Hashem in everything. I think the Baal Shem used to say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is constantly sending us messages. We don't have Nevi'im anymore, but we don't, we don't need Nevi'im. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is constantly sending us messages. We'll be in a certain place, and suddenly we'll, we'll see a sign, and the sign will mamish speak to something that you know, I was thinking or that I was doing, and these are all messages. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, nothing is random. If you see a poster, if you see a sign, if you get a text, if you get, and like all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, that's, that's so unusual. I just had it, um, I think I had it today even. I don't remember what it was, but I was like thinking about something. All of a sudden I got a text. I don't even remember from who. It might have been like a spam text, but it said something. There was like a word on the text that was mamish speaking to me. That's HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the universe. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is very medactic. Everything that happens is a message to us. Everything that you see, everything that you're going through, everything that other people are going through, they're all messages to us. And this is the lesson, this is the takeaway lesson from this piece that we learned in Rav Schwab that Rabbi Einison says, you know, there might not be technically an Yerani Dachas, it's impossible, or Ben Saramayur, but yet it's possible to sit on the ruins of a city and if you think about it and you look into it, you'll realize that Kodesh Baruch Hu did punish that city because of that Avera. And everything in life is like that butcher had to suffer because he did an Avera, and we have to try to really work hard on ourselves to not do Averis and to not go against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and this month of El really is an amazing month because it gives us the opportunity 
to do tshuva. That means that even if, let's say, we did do something wrong and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is like about to punish us for it in one way or another, we could stop that locomotive. We could mamish by just saying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it again. I have Kabbalah and a Very simple. In two seconds, I can get rid of the Averis and, and be free. I could do it all year round. But El is especially a time that's Mislogal. Rosh Kippur, of course. But there is a God in the world, and God meets out punishments in different forms. And the best way of, of stopping this from, from hitting home is by doing tshuva and by correcting our ways. And amidst Hashem, then we will be zeicha to a beautiful year together and a beautiful life.